Good morning, Sarah Heppola. Good morning, stranger, also known as Nancy Rommelman. It has been so long. Really it's like been a, an long epic. Time. Like yeah. a couple of weeks. It's been an um, entire generation. No, I mean, seriously, Sarah, I don't think we've recorded since before Dallas. Is that possible? <gasps> Whoa, that's Whoa. so weird. We haven't even talked about the fact that you came to visit me in Dallas. That's right. And you got to meet my uh my my beautiful child. Which was I did. Lovely. I got to meet Tavi in person. Um you know, it, it's it, it was really cool meeting Tavi and uh one of the things we've talked about is her is her physical beauty and and she is she's a very beautiful woman <clears throat> i think what struck me about her was that she had a a radiance like a glow there's certain people that just have a glow you know i'm not i mean honestly that she's somebody that could have been yes she's very pretty but it was like you know the inner I, glow I, of somebody that i Obviously, I mean, I do know this. I'm her mother, but uh, so I keep talking about this uh, Rick Rubin book, The Creative Act, and there's Ugh, some brilliant. Oh man, guys, you got to listen to this on tape. It's like one of my favorite on tape. Of- oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Go, by the way, I'm go sorry. back to the '90s. <laughs> Get a tape recorder. <laughs> And then no, figure out a way to to transfer the Rick okay. Rubin book onto tape. I would just like to say that you're even, a hopeless creature of the last century. <laughs> even when, even when it was like audible and digital, we still called it on tape for a while. So uh, you don't have to go all the way back to the '90s. You just go back to like the early aughts. But in any case, he was talking about um, how for some people who are very, very creative, let's say. Um, they can't really talk about it or expose it because they feel everything too much. Mm. My kid, from when she was a tiny kid, was like, I'm going to make a project. I'm going to do something. I'm going to build something. I'm going to draw something. It's always, 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 always. But she also never, ever, ever wants the camera on her. She does not want it. She does not like it. And I think all of that kind of builds up in her and just makes her glow. Does that make mm. does that make sense? Like she she never you know if we're let's say anxious, did someone email us back or should we tr- check Twitter again? We're looking for some sort of like acknowledgement. She doesn't want it at all, so everything just stays inside her and she she glows. Plus, she takes very good care of her skin. So. Yeah, Tavi has inspired me to redo some of my house. I was just thinking this Whoa. last night. Yeah, because she's a set designer. So she came over to my house. And, you know, it's funny when somebody comes over to your house and then you suddenly see it through their <laughs> eyes. It's like, and you're oh. like, oh, none of this makes sense. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of design in my house that's like one wall is painted for like a different half of the room five years ago. Like, there's just nothing matches. And, uh, and I was, I've just finished a really big project and I was looking at my wall last night and I was like, I think I'm going to repaint my bedroom wall. That's so there's, you know, you, sometimes you can't move the new couch in until you get the old couch out. So you finish the project and then all of a sudden you can be like, oh wait, I can look at this other thing that I can do now because you've gotten the main thing out. And speaking of Taba and my daughter, the set decorator, they just, they wrapped season three of Reservation Dogs, which is going to be the last season by their choice, though there could be some other things in the works. Um, and that is going to premiere uh, on uh, in August. So check that out. I'll, uh, I'll put a... Um, they just dropped the trailer yesterday. I'll put that in the uh, in the episode notes. So 
Um, but you went to Dallas for the uh, event that we did at UATX, the University of Austin, Texas. What? That's so yeah. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, that was sponsored by the Mill Institute, and uh, we just reposted that entire episode for free without the paywall. So yep. if you didn't get to hear the whole thing and you're curious. So that's us with Megan Daum. And we just had a had a really wonderful time. It's funny. So I brought Tavi and she never sees me doing anything particularly journalistically. And afterwards, she's like, mom, it went so fast. And it's true. You know, you do these events, you think, oh man, 90 minutes, we're gonna be on stage 90 minutes. And then all of a sudden it's over. It's so, yeah. it was fun. I really, I really enjoyed it. I thought the, the Mill Institute was just eye-poppingly not Mill Institute. Um, uh, what's it? Old Parkman. Were the Old Parkland. Old, old Parkland. Park old Parkland is just Old Parkman is like an old guy. Yeah, yeah. Old um, Parkman. Uh, but it was yeah. really, really beautiful. So thank you very much to the University of Austin at Texas or whatever it's called. Te- yeah, yeah. We don't know. <laughs> I think we the don't full know. Full name it. is University of Austin at Texas or yeah. whatever it's called. That's right. It's, that's it's it. so. It's. <laughs> I went to the University of Texas at Austin. So this is just like a cruel, you know. It's it's like some sort of acrostic game. It's very confusing for me. Um. So Sarah, you interestingly, so as many people do with their crew, you text each other things all day and like, did you see this? Or do you want to talk about this? Or, oh my God, did you see this? So you, you sent me something this morning, just about 20 minutes ago. Do you want to want to say what it was and why it fascinated you? This happened, first of all, did you go anywhere for 4th of July? Uh, did I go anywhere for, I was actually, okay, so we'll get to the the TikTok in a second. I got uh, our, our, our paid subscribers who joined me uh, on the Zoom, Sarah couldn't make the first Sunday Zoom uh, last week. Um, know that I was uh, I had a big collision with an e-bike, and uh, it was uh, interesting. Uh, I have a big shiner and shoulder and a finger the size of a sausage and all this stuff. But anyway, I did not go anywhere uh, on the Fourth of July because I was still kind of um, healing up. Um, I just wanted to get in bed at like ten o'clock, so that's what I did. We will talk about the the reason I asked you about this is because this this story relates to to travel. Um, but before we get onto that, I, I want to say that I'm I'm very sorry that you had this e bike collision. I saw the shiner. Um, you were banged up. Yeah, just but, a, it, but you had an interesting compulsion to share your uh, scars with the public. Oh, you mean the hand, the bloody hand? Yeah, I went on Twitter one morning, and I and I haven't <laughs> been going on social media once. And I was like, "Oh, Nancy is playing Jesus in Jesus Christ Superstar because that <laughs> is her hand with the stigmata, and then you had the barbed wire wrapped around it." I was like, "What?" It was it was on? my it was my earphones. It was my quartz my earphones, but it was a pretty good. When I posted it, people were like, "Oh man, this is so metal!" And I'm like, "Hey man, you want to use it for the cover of your metal album? Please uh, feel free." Then of course I tried to stitch up my own finger. So listen, that didn't work out, but uh, I want, I have something to, <laughs> Sarah's shaking her head. Listen, yeah, I, like, take that as a cautionary tale, friends and family. Don't I, try to stitch up your own finger. 
I have um, some information. Actually, this is kind of important that I learned. So the the thumb was a little bad. I probably should have gotten stitches right after it happened, but I didn't. I just wrapped it up and blah, blah, blah. And then a couple of days later, I took it off. It was still open and bleeding and I tried to stitch it. I couldn't. The skin was too pulpy and people were like, go get some stitches. So I went to urgent care and I found out something that I hope is useful to our listeners. You cannot First of all, if you get an animal bite, you can never stitch it. They will never stitch it because of possible poisons and everything in you from the animal. But um, you can't get stitches. They will not stitch you after eight hours. So I'm sorry. Sarah's, hold on. Sarah's hold playing on. a video. That's how interesting this story is to Sarah. I've not. Just, I was trying to prep, and I and I screwed up. I was trying okay. to prep to make it seamless, and I made it seamful. It's seamful. Ooh, seamful. I kind of like that. <laughs> anyway, listen. No, this is a this is a pro tip. You can't get stitches after eight hours. They won't do it. And also, the doctor said to me, you know, you don't actually ever really need to stitch anything, even a gaping wound. If you just press, clean it out, press it together, the body will coagulate and do what it does, or blood will coagulate. The body will heal itself. So that's a good pro tip. If you don't get your stitches within eight hours, just forget it. You're fine. So that's the end of that story. Um. So I'm going to stitch up. Uh, this story, yeah, uh, by telling you why I asked you about travel on Fourth of July because apparently, you know, it was one of the biggest travel days, and and there was a lot of mess. I didn't go anywhere, um, but on a plane that was leaving my town of Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth, uh, there was an incident, and it was this woman that uh, had a little bit of an episode. And, um, you know, I saw this happen, but what's been fascinating to me is the, is the theories that have surrounded it. I'm just going to play a tiny little bit of this, okay? Sure. Okay. Okay, so... So translate that for us, because it's a little tinny, but they probably hear it, but go, Sarah. Okay, so that's a woman that gets up, you know, the plane was leaving. Apparently, it was it was already taxiing, and she gets up and says, you know, I don't care what you tell me, that motherfucker back there is not real. And you can all stay here and die on this plane... But I'm and and you know and there's longer versions of this and at some point the the flight attendant is trying to help her and she's like I don't give a shit about my stuff and she leaves and this was posted on TikTok and it goes viral and you know so this is all the information we have right and so all of a sudden these theories are flooding in. Now you saw this. What what yep. was your first thought when you saw this? My first thought was so let's let's frame the woman. She's probably in her 30s. She's wearing like a pair of jeans and a top. She looks like a fairly average blonde. I think she was blonde. She maybe. looks like every woman in Dallas yeah, to me. Yeah. yeah. And and then she is she's very pitched up and she is like, <gasps> she's frightened. She's frightened and she's pointing and she's looking and I'm like, she's either seeing some imaginary person or just some normal person on the plane. She somehow feels is not real. And then she leaves. And I thought she's having some kind of psychotic break. All right. She doesn't appear drunk or on drugs or anything like that. She's just really high pitched. Then I watched it again this morning when you um, 
you uh, said, you know, this really went viral. And I thought, oh my God, was she like trying to go viral? Like, was this sort of a stab at some sort of weird subject? But it would really be a stretch. I mean, you're inconveniencing hundreds of people and it's, it's weird. So I, I don't know. I mean, has anyone found her? So my guess is that she probably does live in the Dallas area. So I could find her name. Go get her. I mean, I'm sure someone is, but you should. I mean, we we did this Uh, with with Deb Heard, remember? And then you just went and did it. So the media dropped the ball and I caught it. And now I'm gonna go find the woman on the plane. Um, you know, who's yeah, probably sitting at some dog park right now drinking her energy drink. Energy drink. Um yeah, to my knowledge, nobody has found her. I mean, I did I did a little searching around on the internet. Um, but several people have come forward to say they were the person um, that oh. she was talking about. It was a guy, uh, right? It was, was a guy. And well, right. it, there's actually different theories. Okay. So uh, I think probably one of the most believable TikToks is by somebody that was on the plane. She's a sort of 50-something woman. She just seems sort of like a normal person. And she's like, look, I was on this plane. The The story is that this woman was, you know, somebody saw her drinking outside, you know, near, oh. near the bar. Um, I mean, a lot of people point out that because this was po- posted, it had a hashtag drunk woman. And so there was a lot of discussion about whether or not she seemed drunk. I'm just going to say it's very hard to tell if somebody has been drinking. You know, was she completely wasted and slurring her words? No, she wasn't. But we can't tell if if she's had, you know, a a, a bottle of wine or nothing or she's on Ambien. I mean, just, yeah, you can't tell that. So who knows? Um. But anyway, according to this story, she had been drinking. She came on the plane and she'd lost her AirPods. And she uh, was looking for them everywhere. And she uh, apparently uh, accused the person next to her, who was a black man, of taking them. And this started some sort of altercation, which a flight attendant then intervened upon. And according to this woman... uh, this woman that was on the plane, the, that, that motherfucker isn't real was referring to the flight attendant. Oh. Oh. Okay. And then was the plane, who, was a, who was a male flight attendant? Don't, don't know. Don't okay. know. Okay. Um, and the plane was delayed for three to four hours. Which is, ugh, I mean, this is they, so Everybody had to get off. They had to search all the luggage. I mean, so I I don't actually think this was a stunt. Um, I I think this was somebody that was having a moment. And I also just think what was really interesting to me in reading theories um, was how many people believed her. Like, how many people were like, look, I don't know what's going on. Like, show me the person. I can tell you if they're not real. Did like, you, who, who are these people that are not real? Did people, do you know if anybody got off the plane and were like, I'm not taking this plane? I just, I, I don't know if she's right or she's wrong. I'm not taking a chance. You know, I don't know that. The the woman that shared her experience said that she would be lying if she didn't, like, think at certain points, like, there's something wrong and I shouldn't go on that thing. 
You know, I have to say, when I watched that video, uh, what I thought is, I'm surprised this doesn't happen more often. Because look, I'm afraid of flying. And I, I the number of flights that I've been on, and I'm like, I need to get off this thing. I need to get off this thing right now. Um, I, I, you know, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more in the sky. So a friend of mine on Twitter, very, very good writer, Leah Carroll, she wrote a book I, I reviewed for the Wall Street Journal, and then we've we've become friends. It's called Down City, A Daughter's Story of Love, Memory, and Murder. Her mom was murdered when she was a little girl. Anyway, she, she I, the reason I knew about this, this incident, this TikTok, is because she tweeted, I would have been following her right off that damn plane. <laughs> like, yeah. she would have been like, I'm done. But Sarah, I, I have a question for you. We've talked, obviously, you wrote a book called Blackout. Um remembering the things I drank to forget. Wonderful, wonderful, best-selling book. Um, and, you know, you talk about blackout behavior and things that can happen. Now, I have sort of, I think we've discussed that I've browned out, um, but I have this mechanism in me where I fall asleep. If I, if I drink too much, I fall asleep. Like, people can tell you, oh, Nancy's asleep on the couch. Okay. But I'm wondering... I'm just going to say for the record, a blackout is, a brownout is a blackout. Okay. But, so, but, but, yeah. but they're different versions. And it's right. a, it's a, it's a smaller kind it's a more a, moderate kind of a the kinder blackout. a kinder just a kinder blackout. gentle blackout yeah exactly <laughs> um i wonder and you know you 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 wake up in the morning or whenever and you're like oh my god what did i was i talking to that guy last night i don't remember what did i say and you try to remember i think it is conceivable that she was having some sort of if if you're telling me now that she was drinking and who knows if there was like ambient involved or whatever that this was an episode like she she's because that kind of makes sense to me, thinking about what she looked like. So I that. will tell you something about Ambien, which is that if you take Ambien and drink, you get the roofie effect. Uh, I interviewed a neurologist, or ne- I'm sorry, neuroscientist. What I don't even know who I interviewed. <laughs> His name is Aaron White. <laughs> he studies drinking patterns and their effect on the brain. And... You know, he told me that he saw the original uh, studies for Ambien and like before it had been FDA approved. And he was like, when I saw that, I was like, there is no way this stuff is getting approved. People were driving in like and couldn't remember. They were doing all these things that were crazy. And then it got approved. But if you take Ambien and then you drink on top of it, you basically roofie yourself. And what's different about that kind of blackout is that it won't have the secondary signs, such as slurring of words. Oh. Uh, all sorts, you know, the, the things that normally you would associate with like, oh my God, that person's super wasted. Because they actually haven't had the alcohol, that much alcohol. I have a, so I have, it is I, conceivable she roofied herself. I, I have um, a, an ambient story it's involving my, my mother. This was years ago. I mean, I don't know, 15 years ago, I guess she started taking ambient just for a little while. And her husband at the time, he was still awake, but she had already gone to bed. And she got up and she sat at the kitchen table with him. And he was like trying to talk to her, but she kind of wasn't there. And she ate three giant pieces of cheesecake. And then went back to bed. Now, I would just like to say- I think I've been on Ambien for a while. I'd just like to say, it's hard to eat one piece of cheesecake, okay? Cheesecake is pretty freaking rich. And he said she just powered through three pieces of cheesecake and went back to bed. 
I think it was the Ambien. Oh, yeah, absolutely. People, um, (laughs) there's all sorts of stories about the Ambien sleepwalking. Yeah. Um, And some really, like, and and driving cars and stuff like that. It's it's really wild. Yeah. Um, And, you know, you have procedural memory. You can see, you know, it's it's a weird, like, psychological liminal state. But I actually, I mean, so so I think the ambient drinking combo is is a good guess, especially given the context we have of this being the beginning of a flight. That it's a flight to Orlando, oh. and a lot of people take Ambien prior to a flight. And you know, this woman is at the bar, so that's I think that's a pretty decent um, theory. But I just kept thinking about how. There's a lot of things that are doing a number on our brain right now, but one of them is this advent of like AI and technology. And I'm just talking to more and more people that have this like groundlessness around what's real. Like they don't think things are real anymore. Like birds? Like birds. (laughs) I really have... I really don't understand. Do you, do you is it are you thinking birds are not are possibly not real? Birds are real. But but it, I know it's like kind of a jokey thing and I don't know where it came from. Maybe someone can clue me in. Maybe you know where the whole birds aren't real thing came from. I know it's kind of like haha, but it's like wait, what? Like what what do you think they are? are they it's we are living in a moment when nobody can decide what's real. You know, and and this is also like it also made me think about. Look, Dallas is a very religious place and there's a lot of people that have some very strong ideas about heaven and hell. And I mean, you know, like. Those are kind of all sorry to offend anybody, but like conspiracy theories about what happened, like what we're doing here, right? Well, they're, they're, I mean, it's sort of people decide they're going to believe. So like one thing I think sometimes is like Santa Claus. Like everybody over the age of seven, or if you're my daughter, age 10, knows there isn't really a Santa Claus. But you keep that secret because it injects hope and um, and excitement and joy in children. And I think the idea of heaven is very much akin to that. You know, we we lose people that we love. And Anand-Marie, I'm just putting, you know, and I'm we're trying to make the sense Bible of to it. The side, trying to make sense and also give give ourselves solace. And that is like so unbelievably important to feel solace and to feel hope and to not feel despair. And people do create entire worlds around that, whether you believe in, you know, Allah or Jesus or whatever you want to believe. The idea of having that is so important. We can't kind of let that go. I mean, which is one of the reasons, like, I don't, I am not a follower of, of Jesus Christ, but I think the Bible is cool to read. And I totally understand people having and wanting and needing solace from that. And I support that. And a hundred percent. And I want to soften what I said a little bit, lest it sound too glib, that what I meant by saying it was a conspiracy theory is that I am of the belief that nobody knows. We just don't know. Which I love. I love the mystery. I love the mystery. So in, I I agree with you, but in absence of that, 
people form all these theories. Yes. And maybe they're right and maybe they're wrong. You know, I mean, look, you know, I have lost people that I love and, you know, have wondered about what the meaning of life after death is and, you know, what happens to the energy in the body when we die and, and what the spirit world might be. I mean, you know, I talked a lot about ghosts when I was in Galveston. I find it all fascinating. But what I mean to say is that we're kind of all stuck on a plane coming up with conspiracy theories as to what's going on here, metaphorically. Right, 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 right. I mean, there is this, you know, and I think we, probably most people listening, probably you, I certainly have, there have been moments when, whether it's in a dream or whether it's just some weird lucidity, where the veil is kind of peeled back and you understand something you did not understand before. I don't know that, I I guess you can court that sense, you know, people say they can do it. You know, again, we're going back to Rick Rubin. They, you can do it through meditation or whatever. But I, I, right. I don't, I don't really. Um, I think you can prime yourself for doing good work and seeing further and doing all these things, and that's great. But there are moments where you're just allowed to see something else that is not apparent in our everyday lives, and that you know fills you with wonderment and um, and 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 hope, really, and maybe. People that are, yeah, people can be glib or silly about a conspiracy theory, or they can be horrible and evil and cruel about it. But I do think that we are filling things in. It's completely human. And then some of these things gain momentum for a a meme reason, a silly reason, a viral reason, or something that's actually quite astounding, you know? So, yeah, let it it rip. So, you know, so my theory is simply that this woman had an interaction that tripped up some sort of, like, idea she has about the world. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And she was a little, un I think she was unloosened by the drinking or the ambient or whatever it was. Um, and she had basically, a you know, a panic attack. I need to get the hell out of here. Um, she had a vision. I mean, people have visions of things and maybe they're real and maybe they're not. I, I, again, I am a radical agnostic. Like I am, I am fundamentally agnostic about most things. I don't know. Maybe the person next to her wasn't real. This is what was so interesting to me was how many people on the internet were like, wait a minute. What if that person wasn't real? And then you're like, what's going on? I've had someone persuade, very persuasively argue that we're living in a simulation. And this was, you know, you see that on the dating apps so much. A lot of guys that will talk about how we're actually living in a simulation. I, I, I love people's brains. I do. I love them. This is the thing, is I that we them. can create entire empires in our mind. But we do. I mean, we create everything. What you know, we we create why 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 am I sitting here with you creating this show? Just because we wanted we created it. And I mean that sounds like that's maybe not the best example, but you just you do. You create the next thing. Boy, that's really super deep. Um, Sarah, I think you should I I I'm sure someone has already found her. She can't be that hard to find. She was on the flight list manifesto, right? So you should you should find her. You Unfortunately, totally I have her. other things to do today. Do. But uh but yeah, maybe this weekend. Who knows? Um, uh, do you want to mention anything about uh, how you, um, where you've been, or are we just going to keep that on the deal? I'm going to let people come up with their own theories. There we go. 
yeah, it's been in- interesting a couple of weeks, I think, for both of us. It's been fun um, and sometimes not fun. Um, so, Sarah, I sent you a story yesterday, didn't I? Oh, you did. Yeah, and let me uh, let me let me find the c- correct uh, title for this story because I don't want to botch it. So I I read a story yesterday. It's from the New Yorker, uh, from earlier in the week, from actually last week, June twenty six, two thousand three, by Ava Kaufman, K O F M A N, and the name of the story is "The Perils and Promises." of penis enlargement surgery. Um, The subtitle, One Doctor's Promethean Quest to Grow the Male Member is Leaving Some Men Desperate and Disfigured. Um, This story, I actually don't ever remember reading a story where I was actually yelping, um, (laughs) reading several paragraphs. You were like, get bigger, get bigger. No, 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 no. I, I was so profoundly disturbed. Um, I will, I, I cut out a, a few, um, a few clips, but, um, I'll, I'll read those a little later. So basically, uh, you know, I, I am of the understanding that many men would like to have a, a larger penis. Um, I guess, you know, I can understand that. I have, I, I cannot you tell think you that it, that, that statistic. I mean, what do you think? Like, how many how many men would like a larger penis? Was that like eighty? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's that 60. much. Uh, I was gonna say like fifty. I don't really know. I mean, fifty or sixty. Um, it's also you know one of the things there they make very clear very early in this piece is that most men that come in wanting a larger penis have a perfectly average or fine size penis. Like it's a, it's uh something like, I can't remember what it was. It's like average male penis is 3.5 inches when flaccid and then something like 5.5 when erect, something like that. And then the girth is something like four inches around. Like they have an absolutely standard size workable penis. So they are there. What are the reasons that they're actually there? I mean, that is what I would think should be addressed when you're talking to someone. But of course, it's a business, right? It's a business to make money. And you are playing on people's insecurities and you can give them hope. Um, we we talked in a very early episode about the leg lengthening surgery, which is just so horrifically painful. Uh, in order to do this, you have to like completely cut through the, is it the femur or the tibia or both of them? These are like some of the largest bones in your body. And then you have to insert these rods and then you have to heal and it's just excruciatingly painful. Okay. Let me tell you something. I'm not sure the leg lengthening uh, process has anything on what these men go through. I actually saw an image yesterday because I was like, what, okay, what is this thing that they're, they're putting in? It's this like plastic sheath. I was like, what does that look like? So just to see like, okay, what are these people willing to put into your body? Which by the way, you know, the body will do two things when it has a foreign, um, a foreign piece of something in foreign object, the object that's, it's a hard word. Object is a very hard word to remember, Sarah. It's like, if you get a, if you get a splinter, Maybe I'll tell you my good splinter story. Um, if you get a splinter, 
it will work its way out of the body, right? Even like a bullet wound. There are stories of like uh, people that have been in in combat and 20 years later, the bullet just like works its way out of the body. So it will work its way out of the body, but also the body will will grow around it and attach itself to it. So you you put this foreign object in your penis, in the shaft of your penis, which of course is already very weird because, well, you know, it's flaccid, it's erect. Now what are you doing? You're making it be something it's a little all, bit of a miracle that penis, don't you think? You know, I, it's, it's 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 a I, it, you know it has the shape shifting of it. it is really fascinating. I think I first of all the penis is amazing, right? It is amazing how it has. I mean, many people they they quote some people in the article. I think Updike is one of them. It's just like I can't remember the quote, but it's like it has a mind of its own and it is not going to obey. I've talked to guys about this, like. <laughs> call it dick control, right? What do you do? I'm like, what do you, what do you do if you're like, you're someplace and it's going to be really, really inconvenient to get a boner. It's like, well, it's dick control. You got to like think of horrible things like somebody puking or like your friend's ugly mother or something. Like, you got to like keep this, keep it under control, dude. Um, anyway, yes, it is a miraculous thing. And you are now going in and you are doing something that is going to alter it for all time. And Sarah, I, I mean, I could almost weep at the horror shows that some of these men have been through. Um, I was going to say, I looked up the uh, little plastic sheath, and of course I came across a photo of a mid-operation. I didn't even send it to you, okay? I did not send it to you because if you think my stigmata hand was disturbing— this was ap- to just make you weep at what someone would do to their bodies in a quest to, it It really obviously I would think is how they feel about themselves, um, you know, and that they believe it's sort of like thinking if I lose 20 pounds, my life is going to be great. Well, no, it's still going to be your life. So your penis is now going to be, instead of being 4.5 inches, it's 5.5 inches and what? So... I I, want to go back to a couple things. There's so much that you just brought up that was fascinating. First of all, I just want to pause and talk about what this penumbra, is that what it's called? Yeah, penumbra. uh, I can't remember. Sorry. Penuma. Penuma, and it's an acronym for penis new man. (laughs) It is. Um, Penis new man. Okay. And... um, but doesn't that say it, everything about it? Then you're going to be a new man, right? You're going, your penis is going to grow. Is, into, this is the operating theory on all plastic surgery. I mean, this is not unique to to this to this particular procedure, right? Right. You know, right? And and I think so. So I wanted to to pause there and just say. So it looks like it's translucent. It's like white plastic kind plastic, of plastic, and it's sort of like has a hot dog bun shape in the sense that it can open on one side and then it will slip around the internal the internal penis when you when you peel back the skin of the penis which is something I had never thought that anybody would do but there's a 
Hello, Smoke and Roll Gotham listeners. If you are hearing this, that means you have just listened to the free portion of our, oh, I don't know, bi-weekly episodes with Sarah Hepla. Sarah Hepla, who's just so busy right now, she could not record this little uh, interim moment for you. Um, we're happy to have you here as a free subscriber. If you'd like the entire episodes, please go over to smokeempodcast.substack.com and sign up and subscribe. Then you will get the full episodes every week, plus some special things we drop for you on the weekends and our monthly, our first Sunday Zooms. Again, to get the full fig, that is smokeempodcast.substack.com. Thanks. <laughs>